This podcast contains some magical adult language. Listener discretion is advised. And sorry, Mom. Welcome to Rat Castle, a progressive chat about Disney magic without the pixie dust. I'm Janine, and with me today are Nathan. Oh, hello, Janine. Hello, and Dave. Howdy, Disco Citizens. <laughs> and Victoria. Hello, lovely. Hello. I'm so glad to have you guys here. Unfortunately, Sada is out meeting Angela Davis tonight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, no big deal. Lucky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> NBD, NBD. I'm having coffee with Cornell West tomorrow, so I was able to make it. But <laughs> but we do have a special guest today. Dave, will you introduce our guest? Uh, yes, I will. Uh, this is a, uh, a lovely lady who has worked in the themed entertainment industry and the movie industry and the haunt industry. Has a lot of experience with haunts. Uh, one of my favorite people in the industry. We have Jamie Barkowitz. Hello. Thanks for having me. This all came about because I saw your your sort of tweet thread, I think last week, that was so great about <laughs> a bit of a rant about what you know <laughs> yes. that you needed that you needed to start a your own podcast about uh about being a, a woman in our industry, which mm-hmm. uh has its challenges, as I've seen firsthand with my colleagues. Um, and by the way, I still want you to start that podcast. Like this does mm-hmm. not let you off the hook to start that podcast. <laughs> I know. And, now I feel the pressure. <laughs> and, and and Nathan should produce it anyway. So, um, <laughs> but I did mention I did mention Nathan in that thread so that you guys would talk. And so now you're here. You want to uh, yeah. give us give us a fun recap of uh, uh, what you do in the industry, how you got there. Yeah, so um, I started in themed entertainment when I moved out to L.A. in 2015. Um, So I moved out here from Michigan, uh, planning to be in the movie industry. That's what I went to school for. That was always the plan. Um, And I was doing some freelance work in that. And then I needed a part-time job. Um, So then I started working at Universal in tickets, uh, which after two weeks working there led to me somehow being a production coordinator for entertainment. And this was Hollywood, right? Universal Hollywood? This is Hollywood, yes. Yeah. Uh, so had no idea what themed entertainment really was, except I've been to Disneyland, um, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, and then I ended up being there for about six years uh, and worked my way up uh, from production coordinator up into associate production designer. So um, I immediately was put on to Halloween Horror Nights, uh, which at the time I hated because uh, I had no idea. I'd never been to Horror Nights. I did not. I don't like haunted houses. I liked Halloween, but I thought this is my hell. Um, <laughs> and everyone else would be like, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky you get to work on that project. And I said, I, I'm not looking forward to this. Um, and then after a year of being desensitized, uh, <laughs> it became part of my life. So now nothing surprises me. And I love horror. I love haunts um, because just... You know, when you have meetings about how much vomit comes out of a static figure, you just, nothing surprises you. <laughs> and when you're smelling, like, oh, which vomit or which piece smell should we have in this room? Like, wow. wine tasting. Wow. Yeah, right. so, yeah, so I did that for, like, six years. Um, and then uh, recently uh, made a difficult decision to step away from themed entertainment. 
um, and go back into movies. So that's what I'm doing now. I, I, of course, the floor is open for questions. Um, I, I, I'm curious what brought on the tweet to begin with. What, what's current? I mean, I mean, you probably me? were talking. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're probably talking a little bit. Yeah, you're probably talking a little bit about production design as a whole more than just theme park production. But I'm curious about your relationship uh, as a woman in the industry. Uh, So it's been, there's highs and lows. I think I've had the, uh, you know, the blessing of working with some really great people, especially on, you know, my six years of working um, with Horror Nights, half of our team is women and we Mm. have women in leadership positions um, and everything. So that was always good, but working in production and entertainment in general is just, not a fun time uh, to be a woman or anyone who's not a straight man. Um, So I've always had my, I've always been very outspoken about my issues that I've had, you know, from just, you know, sexual comments made on sites to being called a bitch if too bossy, being assumed that you're the assistant there to take notes when you're actually giving art direction. It's, uh, it's highs and lows. Um, And I actually was getting coffee with two of my past students. So I teach on the side art direction. Um, me and my um, colleagues started a business last year where we teach um, about art direction and entertainment. And so I got coffee with two of my students that wanted to catch up. And we just started talking about sexism and racism in the industry. And um, one of them brought up the fact that we we spoke at uh, Midsummer Scream uh, last, me and my colleague who started our business. Um, we spoke at Midsummer Scream uh, in 2021. And I brought up, yeah, I got a lot of hate mail when I was a panelist for, we, we did the main stage and we talked about art direction and stuff in HHN and we were two women. And I was like, and I just casually was like, yeah, I expected it. I got a lot of people who just like, didn't want to listen to two women talk about it. You know, they don't know who we are. They don't care about us. Um, and then I learned during that conversation that, other people were getting hate mail about us also that midsummer itself might have been getting messages and people who work for midsummer saying uh hey those women are lying they don't design they don't have women designers women don't belong in horror and it really pissed me off to hear that (laughs) um because i love all the people who run midsummer i love the haunt industry and you know other haunts and everything so it just was like very discouraging to hear that all I'm doing is giving a discussion about how you get started in art direction. And I have someone telling me that I'm lying about my career. And that's very hurtful because I feel like I worked really hard to get to where I was, um, especially as a woman in horror, where I'm often told that I wasn't belonging there. Uh, so that got me upset. And I started telling them about how, oh, yeah, on social media, I get a lot of hate mail and stuff like uh this is a fun thing that I like to teach people is that you can look what lists you're on on Twitter. The lists are something that I didn't even really know people used, but you can check which ones you're on. And um, during the midsummer thing, and even before that, every once in a while I check it. And I've been put on some crazy categories. And one Mm -hmm. of them was called sluts and theme parks, which is now going to be my memoir slash (laughs) podcast. Uh, (laughs) Right. Like a band name. Right. Um, Right. uh, there was another one that says women who think they work in horror, which was a fun one. Wow. Um, there was all sorts Rude. of derogatory ones, right? Um, and then I was like, well, I want to see who else is on this list because I bet they're all great. <laughs> 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 um, and so I just always deleted them and stuff. Uh, and so I, 
that's how the whole beat came up, which I basically said, I'm going to start a podcast where I just have women in entertainment, you know, air their grievances and it will be called Sluts and Theme Parks because I think that's a really great name. <laughs> and the merch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. We'll be first in line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the hard part about it, though, which is always um, been hard when you have to endure these things is that there's the fear of losing your job when you sure. talk oh, about yeah. these things yeah. or upsetting things. You know, I speak on behalf of a company. I can't exactly, you know, rant and rage about sexism and things I go through. And then I'll always get that. Oh, didn't you go to HR? And I'm like, well, sometimes. Yes. But guess HR what? isn't it's there for you. Really done. HR, yeah, is, HR is not there for you. Yeah. And I'm like, do you have proof? Be like, proof that the guy called me a cunt on site no i'm sorry i wasn't recording (laughs) yeah um so it's it's hard so yeah i really want to have uh an area that women can talk about these things even if it's anonymously if i need to anonymously talk about it now that i don't work directly in themes entertainment i feel a little more freedom to talk about it um Mm -hmm. But it's still hard because I still work in entertainment. I still do freelance projects and themed entertainment and everything. So, yeah, and I imagine like the prof- risk of the profile getting higher and the amount of harassment increasing is a very oh, serious yeah. concern. As oh well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that people would have a field day if I actually started that podcast. There was a lot of I got a lot of DMs from people I didn't know who were like women in the industry who were like I have some things to say (laughs) and you know it was it was that's when I was like oh this is a thing now this is now I feel like I need to do something with this when I started getting a bunch of messages from people I had no connections with who were telling me about some of their experiences I'm curious um do you think that some of I'm sure it's good old-fashioned sexism but um the industry or the fans of the industry tend to be how do I put it? Um, very conservative in their love of theme parks. We love yeah. what what we love mm-hmm. it was, and we're always wary of what's coming and mm-hmm. uh, change yeah. is bad. And it's Walt wouldn't want this, and yada 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 yada. Do you find in horror it's sort of the same thing for theme park horror, or um, like is it? Are you getting those vibes? I'm sure there's in industry vibes, but it, do you think that? Mm-hmm has something to do with it is the culture of theme park fans tends to be rather regressive anyway. Yeah. I feel like you can never make uh, theme park fans happy no matter what, That's <laughs> um, true. but uh, haunts is that tenfold. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what you do, I feel like in haunts, at least in my experience, they will never be completely satisfied with um, the haunts that you put out there and the product you put out there. So I do think that there is a bit of a, criticism of it and when they see a young woman you know working on it and I'm sure I'm the first one to get blamed for it not being good maybe I don't understand I've, I've also heard that too when I tell my story that um I fell into themed entertainment and I had no intention of being in horror that is immediately just they will go come after me for that because mm-hmm. they've like, been dreaming like of this since they were it. five Yes. Right. Like I, I they, they've been doing it since they've been dreaming of this job since they were five and mm-hmm. I just fell into it. And so therefore I don't know as much as them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll get it that way. So, I, but I, yeah, I think it's, it's just interesting. You know who else fell into theme park entertainment? Mark Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and me, like I tell that story yeah. all the time. Well, because it wasn't, 
it wasn't a degree you got like it wasn't a thing and they're you know it's a still a developing industry with parks like popping up and different kind of experiences so like most of the people um that i work with planned on going into theater or film and then they ended up in theme parks so i think that's a terrible thing to i mean even john murdy who they all love and praise and he's great um (laughs) he always says like he he didn't you know like he started off as a tour guide and then started yeah. working for creative and everything like the paths that everyone I know who in this entertainment uh, industry take to get to the art. No one, you know, had a normal quote unquote normal path. Yeah. He and I were guides together. I don't, yes. I don't know. If you knew <laughs> that, we were guides together. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, way back in the eighties. And, and yeah, he says the same thing. Like he didn't aim at horror as a career and it happened. So mm-hmm. why is he not judged for it? Well, that's obvious, right? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like you said today, that it's good old fashioned sexism. And I think there's a certain amount of gatekeeping in the community in, yeah. in, in, in all, in all, look, all fandoms have gatekeeping. We know yeah. this, right. And Twitter and social media gives them a platform to talk about it, which is actually the topic of one of our things later. Um, but it, man, it just ratchets up. It just puts a damn laser focus or I should say magnifying glass burning through uh, to uh, you know, to 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 uh, on on issues like this with you, I'm sure Jamie that you're seeing this mm-hmm. all the time. It's so great to hear that other that you're hearing from other voices though. That's awesome. And like I said, I think I was very lucky with people like John Murdy and Chris Williams and all of them who Horror Nights like in our uh, male management have always been super supportive and you know definitely have encouraged me and supported me all the way through my years there and to the, and continue now even after I'm gone. So. It's never, it's, you know, I got to remember who's saying those things and where it matters and when it doesn't, but. Do you find that it comes mostly from the vendors or? (laughs) 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 Speaking from experience. I mean. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. The amount of times I would roll up to site and then they'd be like, um, they would give me a note and they would immediately look to me and I'd be like, I'm. I mean, I I can take notes, but I was just, why was I assumed to be the one that's taking the notes? And they don't introduce themselves to me. They only look at my boss or introduce themselves to the men who show up on site. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, depending on where you're on the world, that gets worse. With working in Abu Dhabi, I, I work on stuff where, like, my main art director, one of four or five that we had, actually, three, three of the four or five we had were all women. And we would be in a review with a client or with vendor or whatever, and they would just talk to me. And I'm like, and I would just back up and be like, yep. hey. <laughs> You know, just because I'm the old white guy here yeah. doesn't mean that I I have no idea how this is going from a materials and art direction standpoint. I'm here just to yeah. soak it in with you. But, yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a problem. Yeah, hmm. I've been given leads on a lot of jobs over there and I'm like, I can't do it. I just I I think I'd be their worst nightmare. I think I, <laughs> I can't Although, keep my mouth shut. I, I, I will say, I will say that the the the, the ladies uh, in positions of power on that project with me were fierce and amazing, and I think yeah. in their own way did manage to move the needle a little bit. You know what I yeah. mean? Because especially towards the end of that big project, uh, Warner Brothers World, if people don't know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. um, like 
you know, seeing the respect they got after the, all of that pushback, even if it was just a shred of it, I mm-hmm. think it, they, they did make a little bit of a, of a change there, which was fun to watch and fun to watch That's them awesome. like put people in their place. It was awesome to watch because, <laughs> you know, when you're professional, you know how to do that, but like with a smile on your face a little bit yeah, or like the iron, the iron fist in the velvet glove kind of a thing, you know, yeah. like, especially as a woman, down, but you're going to love me all the time. <laughs> right, exactly right if you'd only smile more ugh, yeah i'll smile as i rip you apart <laughs> <laughs> please, please do i want to see that that's awesome uh, well thank you jamie that was a really important conversation and i think really impactful and it's something that we need to be talking about more in the industry but i think we could probably do with lightening the mood a little bit <laughs> and <laughs> We can always count on Disneyland to do that for us. And uh, with that being said, they are bringing back Fantasmic and and uh, let's see the Main Street Electrical Parade, which is personally my my favorite thing. I don't know about you guys. I think the Main Street Electrical Parade is like just one of the most fantastic things. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that when that music starts that. Uh that like that's burned into my i saw that for the first time when i was like four or five Mm. and it it, that hits a primal button in me like no other theme park experience (laughs) like i instantly turn like six years old and yeah get all giddy like it's what you know it's it's just true when you hear the certain ages that you hear these things they become part of you and that is the the, that is peak disneyland in my soul yeah yes Absolutely. And what is this? Is it, is it a Moog synthesizer? What, what yeah. is that soundtrack? Yeah, synthesizer. It's, it's just, it's the best. I, I, yeah. One of the, yeah, one, one of the, one, an early uh, orchestral uh, synth score. Yes. Just fantastic. There's nothing like it. And they, they don't lean into that enough, in my opinion. Um, if you like, if you like that mood score, you should check out the uh, record Plantasia. Um, by Mort Ooh. Garson, which is all Moog oriented music, literally music created for plants so they can That's grow. That's so up my alley. It's not yeah. even funny. I can't believe I didn't know about but it. It's got, it's I... got, it's got some good, uh, some good electrical parade vibes. So. Oh, that's fantastic. I've been, I have like a small collection of vinyl albums <laughs> that like whenever I come across it with this Moog synthesizer and yeah, just love it um whatever takes me back to that vibe who's going i'm tempted to go that will get me to disneyland i swear <laughs> i have some southwest credit floating around <laughs> i said the oh, same oh. thing i literally <laughs> looked at my southwest credits and i was like I'm oh my god we have to record a a, a rat castle in park episode like yes. oh, damn now i've got to go okay i'll do it for work i'll call it a tax expense <laughs> <laughs> We all got to get it. Got to get our Baroque hoedown on, but yeah. which is what the music is called by. It's based on an old late sixties orchestra. Yeah, it was from a, um, a, a, a Perry and Kingsley was this duet in the late sixties who uh, did recordings with the Moog. Which uh, right before Wendy Carlos, who did Switched on Bach and made it really, really famous. Yes, um, and she's famous. She's famous for. Um, doing the score for the original Tron, by the way. Yes. But uh famous but fa- famous great. trans artist, by the way. Famous trans artist, yes. yes. If oh. you if you don't know her, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you look her up, 
Um, she's amazing, uh, Wendy Carlos. Um, in particular, there's these great video mm-hmm. interviews with the BBC with her, where her, her studio filled with her Siamese cats. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but anyway, her her music and others inspired um, uh, uh, that that score. And then it was uh, um, uh, originally they were going to use the music for Fantasia for that. Oh, I would have loved that too. That's my favorite. But the producer Jack Wagner, who uh, is a longtime Disney Disneyland producer, said, "No, no, no. We should do something electronic because it was, you know, early seventies, and that was the time, right?" <laughs> yeah, it's well. It's also coming back with new floats, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really yeah. excited to see some new technology on that stuff. I love anything that lights up. That's I don't know what it is. It's like the the primal part of my brain. That's like that zombie movie where the fireworks go off and they're just like stuck in <laughs> awe. Um, but we're getting like Encanto and the Jungle Book. Oh, oh, we're going to see Casita in there. Oh, yes. God, that's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if Moana is. Yeah, they're adding a bunch Raya. of new floats. Raya, yeah, Raya. Who does not get enough. If they cut Elliot the dragon, I, I will flip a table. Oh, we riot. Yeah. 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 We will riot. No, they said the only thing that they're taking out is the American flag Blake bacon float and replacing yes. it yeah. with a Mary Blair theme. So the finale yeah. float is going to have all those characters and they're going to be looking like small world dolls. So like and, Raya oh, that's and fantastic. will all be that's like that. Does your brain ever write Fox News headlines, though? Because when I heard they were replacing yes. the yep. patriotic <laughs> flow, with, Immediately. They're, they're cutting America out of the out Why of does Walt Disney hate Park. America? Yeah. Yeah. America is trying yeah. to be woke. Minnie yeah. Mouse is wearing <laughs> pants. She's never done that before. Yeah. And the thing is, that float was not in the original version anyway. Nope. That was added in 1976. For That's never centennial. stopped America before. Look at In God We Trust in the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Points True. were made. Points were yeah. still made. <laughs> anyway, I'm very excited to see new a new take on some of the new story brands in that form. Yeah. That's cool. We haven't seen. That I also in a long love time. how inclusive it is because it's, mm-hmm. it's so many different stories and variations of race and such too. Yeah, they yeah. really are yeah. bringing it in. They've got everyone covered. They've got Encanto, Jungle Book, Raya, Mulan, Brave, and Princess and the Frog and Coco. Like. And Aladdin, everyone. Like that's just the whole the whole globe is included in that, which I think is just fantastic. And then uh, they're also bringing back the Disneyland Forever fireworks spectacular. And World of Color, right? And, and World of Color, yeah, which I went to Disneyland hoping to see one time. And for, I don't remember what happened, but for some reason, like it wasn't going or something. I gotta something. be honest, I am not impressed. I am not really? impressed by World of Color. I've oh, I really been. wanted to see it. Like I said, light up things i it just does it for me that show grew on me like i didn't love it the first time yeah. i watched it but the the scale of it is is always impressive to me i've also only, my favorite, only seen it once so i yeah. might oh, just need to okay. see it again uh, yeah my my favorite was the thing they added in 2010 for uh, tron legacy they added this thing called the tron core oh, yeah. where oh, after really? the show it would glitch Wait, yeah, look for it on YouTube. Like the show would glitch and it turned into this thing with all Tron imageries. And being a Tron nerd, I kind of wet oh, my pants a couple of times. Those were the um, days. They had those Tron dance parties and they were going oh, all out. Oh, my God. Where the kids were selling drugs in the park. It's those days. They were, by the way. Uh, oh, man. I mean, if you're, not on, if you're not on Molly while you're at Tronica, what's the point? Right? <laughs> what's the point? What's the point? Um, my good Christian Disneyland? 
I'm sure plenty of my SoCal friends can tell stories about going to Disneyland completely high. I, I may oh, yeah. or may not have done that myself. Oh, yeah. So, the biggest um, I have ever been in my life was at Disneyland. <laughs> I only get drunk at Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're doing the drugs? Can, can I just fanboy a second, though? Also, that, the, that, that Disneyland Forever is coming back, which is like yes. the best fireworks show in yes. the world and every other fireworks show at every other Disney park can suck it because this is literally <laughs> the best. It is so good, guys. I can't, I can't even tell you. It's so and well it, done. It, it's good because the one before that, the one they did in 2005 was amazing and they borrowed yeah. pieces of that and expanded on it. And yeah. I wonder what it's like to have a good fireworks display. I don't oh. know. Yeah, can we talk really about what it's it. like to have a nighttime parade? Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> those days. Like? The yeah. last time they had it, I was a child here. <laughs> Back in my day, Magic Kingdom used to have nighttime parade after the bar. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of brouhaha about like it's coming back to Disneyland, but why shouldn't it come back to Walt Disney World for its fiftieth? Oh, know, I hundred I hundred percent agree. Yeah, that's a very yeah. Fair I actually, the fiftieth is over. We we botched that already. That's over with. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was doa. When the best fiftieth merch is the Starbucks mug, you're in you're in trouble. <laughs> and he's absolutely correct. Yep. <laughs> they spent all the money on the uh, color palette design, oh, and then just yeah. that'll do. We'll just slap some iridescent sprinkles on some things and call it a day. I mean the soap dispenser. Yeah, oh, the soap dispenser. Total reset. <laughs> we just acknowledge the fact that Disneyland is the favorite child, and I respect that. But isn't it like we have this the number of e tickets in two parks that you guys have in like all five? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're crammed in and every. We got e tickets just in every corner. Can't swing a dead cat without hitting an e ticket. <laughs> I guess that makes sense when you are constrained on land. Like if something yeah. goes, it's you're keeping the e-tickets and getting rid of the other rides and then replacing it with an e-ticket yeah. to create buzz sure. and stuff. So speaking of Disneyland e-tickets. Yeah, you have some uh, some interesting news for us today, don't you, Dave? Yes, we uh, we all know that um, uh, uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is coming to the West Coast. Uh, after its debut at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios last year, year before, um, in uh, uh, in Florida, but they have said that uh, this one will have "quote unquote" enhancements, is what the uh, uh, spokesperson uh, with the the president uh, Ken actually yeah it was it was the president of the resort Ken Potrock and uh, said that the, there's going to be enhancements and it's going to be even better at Disneyland, which is a flex that Disneyland likes to make. Because um, they're the favorite child. I keep telling you. Because they're the favorite child. And enhancements are just very LA. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, getting a little, yeah. it's getting a little Botox. It's getting a little, yeah, a little lip and tuck. It's getting a little collagen, you know. <laughs> I think there's a couple of reasons for it. The most obvious one being it's ground up construction, right? It's not going right. into an existing building, which is hard. Yeah, it's not um, destroying a masterpiece. It's... No. <laughs> Ooh. Shots fired. Ooh. Um, okay. Is it going into Toontown? Yeah, it's going into Toontown. It's going into Toontown. Certain than, things are leaving. The the the, the Chippendale um, treehouse and the the ball mm-hmm. play is going because that creates an an entryway to I think where this ride is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, um. I, the other reason is, you know, anybody who thinks that when Disney says they're doing a lift from one 12 park to another, that's literally like copy and paste, 
It's not how the industry works. Everything changes. Construction techniques change. Engineering changes. Maintenance on the ride for the past two years has proven out to change this and that and this and that. Uh, right. Access to that maintenance wasn't good enough. So we have to add catwalks here and here and here, which changes all of the infrastructure, like on and on and on. I could talk about an hour. How about yeah. the same attraction on the face that you see is 60% different behind mm-hmm. what the guests see. Would you say it's 30% better from an operational standpoint by that point because of experience as well? Or is it just various? Sometimes, I mean, you you would think so. You would hope for that, right? <laughs> but it's um, own issues, yeah. It, yeah, and then that's a park culture issue too from one park to another. Like Disneyland is not run like Magic Kingdom at all. Yeah, I know. It, it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But you brought up an interesting reason why it's probably getting enhanced, which I didn't even think of, Nathan. Oh, yeah, when we were before we started recording. Yeah, which was that it's Disneyland, of course, in general, this is my belief about Disneyland, is that it's a little more polished and gets a little more attention because that's where the executives can take their car and go and see. Who knows when Bob Chapek's going to just stop by? Um, Mm. You know, (laughs) there's no, we can't see his jet you know there's you know there's some maintenance guy at the magic kingdom who's like where's his jet today we can there's like an alert that goes off on their phone and they're like shit we've got four hours like let's go um we gotta fix that we, we gotta fix it um so I, I think that you know having such a a near operational thing you know that kind of changes the vibe yeah. i'm curious yeah. what happens in the next five years with imagineering moving down here um, and if yeah. that changes the culture, it's literally the only mm. thing I think is a positive is having more boots on the ground at a place that has more park space. Um, but yeah, I hope for a little bit of that sort of friction uh, in keeping things nice um, the way Disneyland kind of gets it. But we'll see. I think that's a thing for Los Angeles or Southern California in general is because all the studios are here yeah. that anytime you do anything IP related in this area, people can just drive their car i mean it's like harry potter at universal warner brothers is literally the next door neighbor yep. they can pop over whenever they want yeah. at the one in hollywood well Ooh. and the other thing too is there's a bunch of premieres that happen at disneyland mm-hmm. and jungle cruise just had Very their premiere true. and yep. and every time something like that happens someone's like okay repaint this whatever it is <laughs> something right it's, it's going to be seen by people it's going to be in the shot Blah, do it so we don't have that here in florida we haven't had a mer- movie premiere since ernest uh saves christmas down here, oh my god so i don't even think we had the premiere down here but it was filmed though. it was filmed here it was filmed here but I, I have a i have a i just thought of something that maybe this is just a bullshit theory but throwing it out there for everybody's thoughts like one of the things about it, it being ground up construction means um it can fit into that backstage area where it's going by the way is already mm-hmm. really tight yeah and you know they moved food and and they move food and a bunch of stuff off site completely to build Galaxy's Edge. And I think this affects it too. So my thought is I immediately flashed on trackless vehicles and vertical transport, like they do mm. in Rise or it, as like Universal does for um, Transformers. Like, what if this is actually a two story show building? Yeah. And the enhancements are like, okay, the underwater scene is twice as long because they do it on lifts instead of the little rooms. Or the tornado scene, you spin around right. as you go up the elevator right. or something. Yeah, yeah. something. I, I, I mean, I don't know that for sure. I have no idea about the building, but that's a possibility. Just having been backstage in that part of the park, it is tight. Yeah. So the fact that they got another e-ticket in there, I was like, what? Really? It is a bit absurd. <laughs> yeah. That park is a TARDIS. Let's just be honest. Yeah. The entire park <laughs> is a TARDIS. 
Oh, what's that I hear? Oh, like a good neighbor, State Farm is starting a Disney planning podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. Make it make sense. So the next piece of news <laughs> is that State Farm and Disney have, this is from Disney Parks blog, State Farm and Disney team up to create good neighbor magic. And then they go on a bunch of bullshit about, uh, I don't know, something about wanting to work with State Farm, and I don't fully understand how it works. <laughs> it's money is changing hands. But one of the things that State Farm is presenting or sponsoring is, and this is, I think, the better part because, uh, you know, I, I don't know if State Farm is going to show up when there's a coaster accident and be like, what's up? We're the ones in the red jackets. You need insurance. Um, but <laughs> They just look, deny the claim. Yeah, the, I, yeah. This, we're just here. Job, we're here. No, you don't get the money. Um, <laughs> I just see all the time. <laughs> the sass. Well, anyway, State Farm is doing a, uh, or they're presenting a podcast. So it says State Farm will be presenting uh, the presenting sponsor of the brand new Plan Disney podcast. In this podcast, expert Plan Disney panelists will offer insightful tips, helpful suggestions, and inside looks for guests preparing for an upcoming magical vacation to Disney parks and resorts. It's weird because. I don't know. I mean, the first episode is going to be about 10 seconds. They're going to be like, well, you spend money. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. We were sponsored by Casper. Uh, like, what are you, I don't know what they're going to say that's that insightful. I mean, there is a lot of these podcasts already. It really does feel like they're just trying to catch up. They saw that right. there's been they're wild success yeah. with other people making planning podcasts, and they decided to not just get into it, but to like milk a corporate partnership out of it as well the reason there are planning podcasts disney is because everything is insane and hard to do at your theme parks now so if you fix that you don't need to work with state farm to have a podcast that's how that works see i'm confused as to why they even i'm not confused but i'm like they have a history of doing sponsorship to fund rides so i'm like yeah, yeah, you don't need the funding to start a podcast, clearly. Right, you don't need the funding to do a podcast. No one gives a fuck about that because you can listen to our podcast, but that's exactly. not true. Like, like... The way those sponsorships work nowadays, though, is often it, they're a corporate sponsorship in general. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they on the back end, they may it provide insurance for, you know, production or, or discounts for employees or whatever, and that there's this laundry list of, all right, how do we exploit this relationship right. elsewhere for both of our benefits and so it's like they cast a wide net and go hey parks how do you want to do it well it's like advent health as well down here yeah it's like right they did all yep. the covid stuff and they sponsor the i think the first aid stations but you know there's other stuff going on in the background um that's more employee oriented i'm sure so right because the last thing you want is a thrill ride. Uh, it's sponsored by an insurance company and it's something <laughs> going wrong. You know. Or meet and greet Jake from State Farm. Oh, yeah. that would be awesome. And he's always in khakis and a red shirt. Yeah. yeah. Just well, the original here. Jake. The original. I agree. The original Jake. I don't know who this off-brand Jake is. <laughs> Poor Flo of Progressive is stuck at a six flag somewhere she had her time. she had, she had her time. Time. they're still dragging her out though yeah. oh but you know i what's saw great? her recently she obviously was like i want to play more characters because if you notice now yeah. they have her as like her entire family yeah so i bet you that was her going you know what i'm getting a little tired of this can we mix it up a little <laughs> has it ruined your ability to be a character actor yes are you a millionaire? <laughs> Probably at this point. Oh my God. She had better. Like yeah. your entire identity is consumed by a brand. Yikes. Yeah. 
Yeah, wouldn't that suck if your entire identity was consumed by a brand? I mean, for real. The Tell worst idea. Like. <laughs> that what would suck that like? so bad. Um, anyway. So there you go. State Farm sponsoring stuff. We don't really know what it's all about. But uh, let's uh, – you know what? Some people are going to need insurance because Dave oh, yeah. is about to lay down the law. How them, Dave. Spill the tea, Dave. Um, so, you know, there's no, there's no actual tea to spill here other than, um, you know, newsflash, the fandom often jumps to conclusions before they actually see a completed project. Wow. That's never you happened don't before. Say. No. Um, say. You know, yeah. And I, I got not in it, like every once in a while, I, I don't, I do, I don't Twitter rant a lot, but when I do, I lay down like eight or nine in a row and I write them very carefully. And it's not, and it's never against what other people are saying. It's not saying you're wrong. I never, I don't tell people their opinions are wrong. You're allowed to have your opinions. All I try to bring to the table is um, perspective, basically, from doing this for thirty plus years, and and that the 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 the, the uh, cause celeb of the moment, the 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 uh, uh, um, uh, in the people that the thing that people are incensed about du jour is the. Um, <laughs> Uh, the the the, uh, the spacecraft that is outside the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot, which is one of those Nova Core star-shaped things, right? And it's got a very hefty, sizable um, support holding it up when the concept art showed it as like hovering, um, basically. And so everybody's up in arms that, and and it, they instantly go to it's a it's they're cheaping out. It's you know it's JPEG. It's it, right. And it's like, oh, I just tried to lay out this long conversation about that's not how this works. And if you think that the Disney Imagineers that are behind this are not pouring their heart into it and trying right. to make a solution work, you're wrong. And that's what I'll defend. I won't defend your opinion of it. Hate the look. But I will say, attacking the people that design this stuff, you have no idea how it got here. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, that, and then I gave my prediction of why it got there, which is I've engineered stuff to be outdoors in Florida and the engineering calcs are what, what you call in the industry, the GPS general performance spec, which are these big documents. Jimmy's Jimmy's out of her head going, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like the GPS manuals for the parks lay lay out. And it's not just about code. Everybody goes, Oh, it just has to be the Florida code. No, it doesn't. Not on Disney property. It is, it is the Reedy Creek improvement district code, which they've made up themselves. And the, 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 the hurricane rules are, they're ridiculous. Let me paraphrase this by saying they're, they sound silly, but they're there. And, you know, 50 years of risk assessment, people are not going to argue back with you about this. This is the way it is. It's not going to change. Is that they take a category five hurricane happening instantly, like literally turning on like a switch and they, and whatever is needed to uh, engineer to that strength, they, it's like practically doubled because- oh. And and the it, I don't know if that's the number offhand, but it is more than it's than it than it should be. It's way over engineered, and the reason for that is not because it's likely that a hurricane will instantly happen and make knock that thing off and it'll roll over a four year old, but if it ever did, that is all over the news. Whereas like if if one of the so people were sending me mod- pictures of those planes at airports that are like military planes on a little tiny little support, and it's like well first. <laughs> First of all, those things are actual planes that have their own internal support that are already meant to go in 600 mile to a 2000 mile winds. So the only thing that mattered with those planes is the attachment point. Yeah. It, 
doesn't have to self-support it. It's not a dumb piece of scenery, which is what this thing is. But people were sending me that and, and, and I was like, yes, but in the park, it has to be so much more than that. And if one of those planes fell at an airport and fell on somebody, it would be like a footnote in the news. This is all about optics and risk, risk assessment. Now, does that lead to creative issues that are, have to be surrounded that maybe are compromised? Yes, because that's what this industry is about. Yeah. And, 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 what I, I, and what the people that were sort of coming for me, I said, show me in my thread of tweets where I told you whether or not I liked it. Please show me whether or not I, I was for it or against it or defending it as a design. Because I didn't. Because you know why? I get paid for those opinions. I'm not going to give them out. And so, <laughs> so except for here, people, except for here, you got to come here. <laughs> yeah. And people thought I was being cagey or like the defensive defending the imagineering. I'm like, look, I've never worked there. I'm not worried whether or not I work there. I, I I'm, I'm more defending the principle of how this process works. And the fact that you haven't seen the, the thing done yet. Like, you know what somebody brought up that I love. They're like, We've never seen those things land on Earth. What if this is the landing stick? Like if Guardians 3 comes out and there's a scene where there's a line of them and they're all landing, I'm going to laugh so hard. But of course, you know, that's going to create people going, oh, they just did that. From the, they made that up in the movie to make up for what they did. You think that Marvel and the filmmakers are going to cover for WDI engineer? They don't give a crap about it so anyway. yeah and not to mention from a narrative perspective this is a pavilion ab- about that planet's culture this can uh, literally yeah. just be a display like spaceship it oh, there's nothing true. that suggests like it's never meant this to is a be real an actual space oh that's no, right this is novacore this is novacore visiting earth setting up a pavilion at a world's fair and telling yeah. us all about Hey, well, this is what it's like out in outer space, and so it's it's on display. Jamie and Dave, I have a question for you, industry folk. Which is, do you dislike that concept art is even shown? I wish they never showed a piece of concept art. I think it sets expectations far too high, and, it, and mm-hmm. it's unrealistic. And they should literally just go like, "There's something behind this wall," and the next day they're like, <laughs> "There's a Tron coaster." The the, the 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 idea of showing concept art before an attraction opens is a very recent thing. Yeah, it's it only is. in the, like the, it's only in the last, like maybe 15, 20, about 20 years, probably like when we were doing MIB at universal in 98 and opened in 2000, we didn't release anything. We didn't release crap. They kept everything, kept the cards very close until they had to. And that's, that was like, yes, we've seen concept art for Disney attractions, but it's always after the fact, right? It's yeah. in the, 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 the coffee table books. They didn't release mm-hmm. A lot. I mean, yes, they did occasionally release pieces um, uh, to, to show things, but they were always very loosey goosey, you know, Mark Davis style. Yeah. And now you've got this sort that of photo bat. Yeah, the hench look. Now you have what we, these things that, are, that we we call photo bash, which is mm-hmm. like the load station version of for Guardians was a photo bash, which is part illustration, part photos of people um, uh, 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 that are usually Imagineers. They do little photo shoots, you know, but like. <laughs> That creates this expectation because, and we wrestle with this in the industry, like how real do we want to make this for the client? And in this case, the yeah. client's the public. And often it's like, no, the client doesn't care. Just make it look good. Make it look, make it look cool. Make the six ton spaceship hover. We don't care. We'll figure it out later. Other times it's like, no, no, no. This has to be exactly how it's built. They want to see exactly, you know, what, what's your experience been, Jamie? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of on the same boat as you is that uh, I, I have like a love-hate relationship with concept art because I understand <laughs> from like a marketing perspective is like that's a very easy eye-catching way to get the public excited about something that's coming. But um, I think we've gotten really, it also depends on, like you said to the client, what kind of concept art that you're even generating and the purpose of it. But a lot of the super realistic concept art, I think can bite you in the ass uh, yeah. because if it doesn't look exactly like this, if the clouds and the sun aren't setting the same way in that magical picture, people are like, yeah. this doesn't look as pretty. Yeah. Um, so yeah. My response to, uh, I, I threw in a little, little, you know, I, a little hand grenade into the discussion. I posted a very famous piece of concept art for New Orleans Square. That's an old Mark Davis piece. And it shows two nuns walking through, which <laughs> fans know about, like it sticks in your head yeah. it's little, with blue, with the little white habits. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, in all caps, I typed out, where are the nuns? I was promised nuns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think back to, you know, an already controversial, like, right decision, which was Splash Mountain, which is not actually controversial at all, but people have decided it's going to be. Um, And I look at that concept art, and it kind of looks like a Thomas Kincaid painting, and I don't know what to do with it, because (laughs) it's like, it doesn't tell me anything, but it shows me something, but it's also showing the characters as, like, cartoons, and... Uh, it's it's almost so wishy-washy it gives people the opportunity to sort of put whatever they want in and be like well this is clearly you can tell by this is you know this isn't going to work and and you're like well if they would have just closed it (laughs) and said it's going away here's the closing merch we're gonna have something new you don't have like two three years of like literal racism to deal with you just you just make a ride and then it's just there Um, I know yeah. that's bad marketing, but guess what, Disney? <laughs> Your parks are full. You don't need to get people to come here. They're going to come no matter what right now. But anyway, we have more Cosmic Rewind news, right? Yeah. The other thing about Cosmic Rewind is that <clears throat> there was a major PR and social media gaffe um, uh, about the ride by the chief corporate affairs officer <laughs> of Disney. <laughs> It's so hilarious. It's so good. Jeff Morrell, who is oh, the new chief corporate affairs, he was formerly executive VP of communications for uh, uh, for BP for BP Oil. And oh, that that is, it's this guy. The it's this that. guy. I didn't know it was the same guy. Of course, oh, it's the, the BP guy. Oil guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yes. And and he was the deputy assistant secretary of defense for public affairs and the press secretary for the Department of Defense. Like, what? From 2000. Yes. <laughs> 2007 to 2007 to 2011 during Bush, uh, W. Bush and Obama. So, yeah. like, this is a guy who should know, know better, how to shut but, his mouth. But know how to shut his mouth. But, like, you know, Jamie will know. They could, when you are ever going to be in public for the Disney company, there is massive amounts of media training. Like, it is no <laughs> joke, right? And, and, but but this guy maybe was a high enough echelon employee, you know, <laughs> chief corporate affairs officer, a big deal. Maybe he didn't go through it. I think it was actually he just got starry eyed because here's a guy who came from, you know, politics and oil drilling. And he's yeah. like, oh, roller coasters. I get to talk yeah. about roller coasters. <laughs> it's not a big boat. Thank God. Thank goodness. And so he he. He said, just another day at the office, which I love when people do that, that work in theme parks. Fuck you. That's not, yeah. that's not fair to say. Uh, 
got to test ride the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster at, get this, he did at Epcot Center, spelled S-C-E-N-T-R-E, which is a parody account. Yeah. It's not even the real, co- <laughs> like, there is no Epcot Center. There's only the Walt Disney World Twitter. Yeah. And also, oh, no. there is no Epcot Center. That doesn't exist yeah, anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> you might know that and if you were the communications it, officer. <laughs> this thing read like an it read like a like an Onion article. Basically, it was like weird upon weird upon weird. And then he said at the very end of it, "It's like no other ride you've ever been on. Have to ride it to believe it." Check it out starting Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> Which I immediately went and I booked the Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend when I could get in. Like, immediately. Oh, my God. I didn't Can do you... that. I can't oh, I'm waiting I for my that. annual pass holder preview. Yeah, I'm sure. He's giving, Period. like, Steve Harvey vibes with, like, the, oh. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> How long was that live before it got deleted? That's what I want to know. It was about an hour or so. An I hour? It was. That's I think amazing. it was. It was long enough for Blog Mickey and WDW News Today to basically say it's been confirmed. Here's the date, and then like literally yeah. as soon as Blog Mickey got it, they deleted it. And what's so funny to me about that is, you know, coming from doing some journalism for WWNT. Okay, are we going to confirm this? Is this confirmed? And usually you would get crap from people like, hey, you can't say this is confirmed. You don't really know. And this time around, I went. It's the chief officer of the, yeah. it's at the Disney company. Like, this isn't some source we can't name because they'll lose their job. This guy put it on Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't deny that. And then, like, he deleted it and then was just, like, coming to it. I'm like, sir, it's too late. It's been yeah. up for two hours. You know, everyone at Disney's going to get, like, social media training videos, oh like, gosh. sent to their emails. Like, <laughs> everyone besides yeah. him. Like, Hey, everyone, just uh, we need to get this up to date. Just make sure <laughs> your compliance training, which happens to be on social media um, this week and confidentiality. <laughs> um, right. like just coincidentally, coincidentally, yeah. the, the, com- the company wide training for that. Oh, it's just happening now because it's time for it. To We've always again. scheduled it for March. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm genuinely surprised he didn't show the actual loading area because he, you could tell he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. It was close. I mean, that's probably one of our best views of that vehicle. That's, I mean, that's our best view that's not a confirmed image from Disney. I like his reporting. Could he do more of it, please? I know, right? Like, tell us when Tron is going to (laughs) open. When is Tron going to open, honey? Uh, Speaking of openings, um, Nathan, we wanted to talk about uh, the Star Cruiser and the complications with with covering that. Yeah. You had something for us. So. Uh, so to give you guys a little background on the podcast, we, we record on Thursday evenings. Um, so, of course, Friday is when the embargo uh, comes out uh, or is done for uh, media when it comes to the Galactic Star Cruiser uh, Star Wars Hotel. And, of course, the podcast gets released on a Monday. And we were like, well, do we wait to record on Saturday when we have some more news? What do we do? And what it came down to basically is this. Um, from all of our experiences, we recognize that media that are at these things for free, um, you know, there is this idea that, well, of course, they're going to have some sort of bias. They got to do it for free, so it's not going to be as accurate. The problem is, is it's not even just a bias. It's very clear if you know these media people that they are going to lie to you, some of them. 
um, about their reviews uh, after Media Day. And that sounds really tin, like tinfoil hatty uh, to some people, but I think Lynn Testa said it best. And, and I'm going to read his sort of Twitter rant. Um, and it is a bit of a rant, but I think it's very important because it kind of lands on what we're actually going to talk about here, which is kind of media previews and what that means and what you should take from it. So Lynn Testa, if you don't know him, Lynn Testa uh, is uh, he, he is one of the founders, if not the only founder, I, I, I'm, I'm a little murky, um, for Touring Plans, which is a large, um, you know, website that helps people with their Disney trips um, and, uh, you know, does algorithmic things on ride wait times and all sorts of different stuff. So he, he's been to these things. He knows these kind of people. And he says, with the Galactic Star Cruiser media embargo ending tomorrow, because again, this is Thursday, <clears throat> here's a couple of consumer uh, advice points. One, many writers are about to tell you how great this is don't believe, and, and don't believe it themselves. Two, Disney pressure media uh, Disney pressures media outlets to say only positive things. And this is from people inside. Uh, and then he sends a screen grab of a tweet. And the tweet says, the talk among media is interesting. 6,000? No way. Problem is, I don't think anyone's going to print that. Okay? So he's getting that from the inside currently. Uh, and then there's another tweet that says, and, and it's more of a joke, we get to the event and are uh, told that if we don't write positive stories, you're not going home while a guy stands menacingly behind you, uh, behind the spokesperson with brass knuckles. So very clearly, of course, that's a joke. And he mentions that. But then, of course, that's sort of the nature of these uh, events, kind of like if you don't give us positive reviews, you're not going to come back to the next one. Um, and then also the fact that, uh, you know, they will literally tell you the hashtags to write. They will literally tell you the words that they want to use um, for these things. Um, so let's see here. He goes on and says, there will certainly be people who come out of star cruiser and who genuinely think it's the best thing ever. And if that's your honest opinion, great. No beef there. I'm thrilled you got to do it. But if you work in an independent in quotes, media outlet that has a hundred thousand or a million plus readers, and you write something positive that you don't actually believe the question is, who are you trying to help with this? Because it's not the consumers. Disney knows that exclusive access to these events brings millions of clicks. Most websites earn their money through ad revenue. So for the most part, these sites, their ad revenue is life itself. Disney exploits that with a, with pressure campaigns, say something bad, and your website gets cut off. Now, I know this from personal experience because of my journalism time with WWNT. They are not on the media list. Uh, we got booted pretty early uh, because we tried food and, and other things and went, eh, it's fine. That's literally, it wasn't like hardcore hate. It was not towing the line. Um, and so uh, media was revoked. So um, let's see here. He goes on to say, uh, not all media outlets bend to the pressure, but I think I know half the people at the Star Cruiser media event. And at least half of them have said in private that they don't think it's worth the money. When I ask, is that what you're going to write? They say, I can't. The choice for writers is one, say nice things that I don't believe and I keep my job and my company makes money, or two, write the truth, get dropped from media invites, company loses money. I might lose my job and Disney will just find another site to write whatever Disney wants. Okay. So that's just a portion of the rant, but I think it really kind of states it. Um, 
so thoughts on that? Anybody? Um, I, I mean, we're going to hear stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks about Star Cruiser. I really don't care about that information until the person who has paid their money will do it. Now, I know a lot of people have problems with WWNT, and I get it. I have no issue with you having problems with WWNT. What I can guarantee is they're not on the media list, and they'll tell you exactly what they think. Because I, from what I, they said on their Twitter, um, they've booked three times now. Uh, for the experience. They're going to put their money in it, and I can guarantee you they'll tell you exactly what they think. So I, I'm waiting for those people who are, you know, shilling actual dollars. Um, and again, I should make a point too. I don't necessarily want Star Cruiser to fail because the creative aspect is not wonderful. I, ho- I hope it's beautiful. I hope they got the budget they wanted. I hope the Imagineers did some wonderful things. I have no issue with that. My issue, of course, and this is something we talked about a little bit uh before we started recording, which is I consider this to be Disney quest for the rich. I don't think it's going to last. I think it's going to close because when you literally only have first class star Wars fans that can afford this, how long can that really truly happen? What's the repeat value? The repeat value. Yeah. And if the repeat value isn't, it's literally, you know, the greatest thing I've ever experienced. I don't know how you get anyone to pay this kind of money and come back. I can speak on it from a travel agent perspective yeah. and a content creator perspective I've only booked two clients for it and they're doing it next week so I'm honestly waiting on their review <laughs> just because I set them up so and I know they're not they're going to be honest so I'm like okay I'm I'm waiting on the people who actually paid like you as a content creator I agree with one just because I mean, everyone fights to be essentially on Disney's PR list, so obviously yep. you got to kiss ass and give them what they want, which is positive reviews because they act like they're about to hit bankruptcy, you know, and <laughs> do a chapter 16 or whatever tomorrow. So it, it's going through a fine line of what do you tell your audience? Like, do you, are you honest and risk losing that PR or do you stay honest and, and keep your audience? Like it, like it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, but. And the only people that get away with the, like actually saying their opinions, like the New York times, like there is very few outlets that can say exactly what they want to say. And there's, they're too big for Disney to screw with. And you know what, what industry used to be like this, the movies, Yeah, you know, the, the actual, actual criticism of films didn't become a thing really until you know the seventies or so. Before that, it was paid uh, coverage and gossip columnists, and and, and we still have just, that. You still yeah. have it, right? It, it still happens. Sure, Golden Globes, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, but, Academy. Yeah, Academy. But, if you want to really go about. But I have a couple of I have a couple of friends who uh, um, are I have a, a couple of friends who are movie critics. Um, the Linoleum Knife Podcast. If you're interested, God bless. very good. Um, they're great. Um, the uh, yeah, the, they're great guys. And you know, they're still invited to every screening. There's the like the 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 the, the studios know that all voices are better than just good ones, because you're going to have critics that that kiss their ass anyway. So yeah. why why self select that? I think my personally, I think is why the mm-hmm. what what happened with the movies. I'm I'm not in that industry to really know. My friends can speak to it better, but it's like we do live in kind of a post critical world in in that everybody with a Twitter account is considered a critic when in reality they're just another voice and they're not one that anybody should take 
you know, uh, to heart, especially before opening. Like, you know what the best reviews I get for theme parks and theme experiences? TripAdvisor. Like, I, I don't listen to the influencers. I go read what, you know, uh, uh, Joe and Jane Sixpack have to write about something because they spent their hard-earned cash. Now, often as a professional, I'm reading between the lines of like, sure. okay, what did work? Right. What, what, what are the, what, what were their takeaways? Were they takeaways that were they hopefully were hoping for, but like, mm -hmm. I, I'll take public opinion. And even there, we know like Yelp has issues and it, had, it pays for good reviews often, often, but in general, these people that are invited to these events are not authoritative, critical voice. They can say they are, and they can have all the opinions in the world, but they're not they're not actually there to help the consumer, like you said, like yeah. like Lynn said. I have, I agree with them 100%. I, I like what you're saying about that because I often think about that with a lot of influencers in the industry too, that they feel, and not to generalize, but like they feel like they, like this was only made for them and their community and that it's not for the Midwest family of five coming. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and so, you know, I, I don't know, Victoria, like you, I'm curious what you think of like as a travel agent of like, whose opinion does matter, I guess, more on it? Is it someone who's at the park several times a week and feels like they're, they are in the know of everything? Or is it the family who only goes to Disney World once every five years and had to save up for it? Like, is their experience and they're more important? I can already tell you it's the family because the family that's saving up more is going to be willing to spend more to have the ultimate experience because they're only going once. I can already tell you, Disney does not give a fuck about annual pass holders. No. I'm an annual pass holder, and no. I know that. I get a magnet every six months. That's it. Yeah. Like they're not even, and you wonder why they have they aren't selling new passes yet. Why would they? They're filling up their hotels with people from out of town exactly. paying day tickets. Exactly. When I pay a thousand dollars to go spend twenty bucks on food while I'm there, like it's just right. Like a thousand dollars is nothing to them. So yeah. to answer the question, they prefer to bring in new clients that are willing yeah. to spend more, which is why everything keeps raising in price, I feel, because they're trying to fix capacity and see what is the limit for people mm -hmm. to start coming. I mean, this is also Disney is this isn't their first foray into this category, but it's probably mm -hmm. the biggest, biggest splash is that they want a certain percentage of their product to be a luxury item yeah. mm -hmm. and the amount of, and that's, Hey, that's capitalism folks. Lux luxury, anything um, has a market, whether it's, and it's probably not you, it's probably not me. And you just gotta like, you just gotta swallow that. Right. Man. I wish it was so. Yeah. <laughs> see, I have a I have a policy that when I see a, a plaid walking some people around, I yell at those people, "Eat the rich!" I, that's how I. <laughs> that's how I can be okay. That's great. That's great. But like, like I, you know, and again, this is me speaking not from a point of I agree with it or I don't, but the fact mm -hmm. of the business matter of it is, this is them. They they do not see this as a mass market product. Um, if if the if the last two years of them changing the season pass program and change, lightning lane and anything has told us is that oh right they're capitalists like we need right. that reminder every once in a while and 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 I, I I mean I hope people like it I I think I'm with you Nathan I think there will be a group of people who like it I have a lot of friends who worked on it so I can't wait to hear from my yeah. friends who go to it and spend their money because I know a couple of very rich Star Wars fans who will go yeah. Um, 
and then just and again being a glass half full guy if i if i have any hope for it it's that this is kind of a big deal for immersive theater in general like the, this is the holy grail in a lot of ways we've always talked about this level of immersion this level of participation and some people say do we really we just want to go to a theme park and ride rides and my answer is yes comma that audience is changing we have 50 45 50 years now of an audience who expects agency because of things like video games mainly that that yeah. and cosplay right people like, didn't it, larp it, in 1955 like <laughs> exactly right right and and if you know if disney bounding and 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 dapper days and and bats day and and gay days have told us anything like there is there are other people who enjoy this stuff and now disney's like okay i wonder if the super rich will come so i don't think it'll close i just think it's gonna be a, a, a not a huge splash i you know maybe running at capacity for a while and then not and maybe they start to lower prices or have deals who knows but that's a long way off yeah mm-hmm. i'll get to enjoy it when it's like half price but you only see chewbacca for an hour the whole time you know <laughs> What was that line from the original Jurassic Park when he's like, you know, maybe we can have coupon, coupon yeah, maybe we'll have coupon, coupon day. Yeah. yeah, catch me on coupon day. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it should be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's me now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're moving Are on to, to film and TV. Yeah, you you didn't love this, right, Nathan? Okay, you, we're going to talk upset. about the Chippendale Rescue Rangers trailer. <laughs> Um, I loved it. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to try to be nice because JB has informed us that she's done some work on this film, um, and people must understand that I do not blame Jamie for my problems <laughs> with this. Um, so, if you've seen it, let's explain what it is a little bit first. It is a um, is a Disney Plus film where John Mulaney and Andy Samberg voice Chip and Dale. Um, and Chippendale Rescue Rangers is the actual TV show. It's meta. So the TV show is the Rescue Rangers. Uh, and so the movie is about uh, – it seems to be slightly Galaxy Quest-y in the sense that they were actors on a, on a 90s show. And now they're sort of dealing with um, a reboot possible and changes in their own lives. I think uh, – is it is it – Dale or Chip, who's in 3D now? I can't remember. Dale. Uh, Dale's in 3D. So he got a quote-unquote surgery to go in 3D. Um, and here's what people keep – and I think that's really fun. I think that's quirky. <laughs> um, my problem might not – okay. My, okay. My first problem is, is I just want a goddamn Rescue Rangers movie. <laughs> That thing there that we were is. talking about earlier in the segment where is. people are conservative and they just want their nostalgia and they don't want anything to change and move on yeah, without but them. This is not a change thing. This is like what if this is so this is so postmodern like like whoa, what if it's not actually like the thing, but it's a TV show about it's a movie about the characters in the TV show. And it's like I just liked the characters look, the thing about Rescue Rangers that people always seem to forget about is it is very much in the mold of the rescuers and the rescuers down under. That's its model. It's this idea that animals have come together to sort of help humans in issues. And sometimes they have other issues, right? Um, This is not what that's about. So when you say, well, we have a rescue Rangers movie, 
Well, no, you don't. You have a movie about Chip and Dale, but it's not really a Rusker's Rangers movie. Now, they're going to get funny and witty. I like how Jamie's sort of looking at me with like so much knowledge. And she's like, yeah, right, right, she's right. like, I know things you don't know. And you sound like an asshole right now. Um, but I only have to go with what I got. So um, what you have here for me is sort of cynical. Like, I, I don't really need another movie about like – actors going to a con and having friend, like fans of their old thing and then begrudgingly signing autographs. Like, I just don't need it. Um, and there's a lot of meta jokes about – and my issue is people keep going, oh, look, because Roger Rabbit makes a cameo, it's it's in the Roger Rabbit universe. And like that's the whole thing and you should like it because it's Roger Rabbit. And the thing is, is no, Roger Rabbit was a very dark noir <laughs> – with a with a body horror twist, okay? <laughs> that was that movie. The rest of it is the setting, right? But this is a comedy. This is a road trip, it seems, maybe. It's a thing. It's its own thing. But it's not Roger Rabbit. And when people keep treating it like it's the second coming of Roger Rabbit because, A, he shows up, I'm guessing, for a second. Um, and it has that same sort of cartoons or actors vibe. People are just getting confused. And I kind of have to go like, y'all, Hoover and Brad Rabbit was the second highest grossing movie of its year. Like, it's its own thing. Like it's not the, now. I would. I'm someone who believes there should be a sequel to Frame Roger Rabbit. I think you can do it. I think some of the elements that is showcased in Rescue Rangers, like I love the idea of you get a plastic surgery that turns you into a 3D version. That's hilarious, and that's something that's very. It's a. It's a point about Hollywood, and it's interesting, and you could see it in a movie. Um, I just don't. I just. I'm like, how do you get kids interested in these characters when they sound like John Mulaney? Like, I don't. <laughs> who is this for? Because it could yeah, be for children the, who, like, want to buy the toys, up. but they made it for parents. And I don't get yeah. the point um, of doing It's for parents that. who grew up. It's the millennial parents who grew up watching it. Frankly. Right. But the point. But, know, yeah. but how does that sell merch? Disney's all about merch. To be fair, to be fair. To be fair. Shrek was the same way. Shrek had jokes for adults <laughs> and for kids. And it is, I mean, RIP Shrek 4D. I hated it, but right. <laughs> like it still spells. Using Shrek as a comparison is not the compliment you think it is. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think merch is still going to sell because right now we're in the time of. Uh, millennials and us looking back fondly on our childhood and wanting that merch. I went to Disneyland like two weeks ago and 100% threw down $30 for a Lizzie McGuire t-shirt because I yeah. thought it was funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it said seriously cool on it. And it had like the cartoon Lizzie McGuire and I immediately changed. Uh, and yeah. So like, if, if rescue Rangers comes back and I saw Hercules stuff and I was like, yeah, forgot what a, what a great merch option. And it's yeah. totally targeted towards me. And <laughs> I'm okay with that. And I feel like Rescue Rangers is going to be the same thing. Like, it's yeah, it's a yeah. neat... I don't yeah. think my nephews are going to be, like, riled up about it. Maybe Which they is, will be, but... That's my thing, though. It's sort of weird. Like, after you do something so wonderful as the reboot of DuckTales, that, that oh, finds this way true. of threading the needle... Um, but and going all the way back to the original <clears throat> excuse me the original comic books and and using designs and elements and sort of 
saying like, yeah, the nineties thing's a part of it, but we're sort of weaving a new variation and, mm -hmm. and we're bringing it, we're sort of doing this Disney afternoon verse and there's all these things connected. And I thought, oh, okay. Like I get what they're going to do. They're going to, it's going to be in 3d, but, and then this is just not at all what I thought it was going to be. So maybe I'm being cynical. Maybe I'm looking for a movie that's not there and, and that's fine. I just thought what an odd opportunity to waste an IP on a, on a one-off film opposed to making it the thing that you create a film and then you have a TV series and then you reboot and then you make at a video game. And it just doesn't seem to lend itself to any of that. So I, I don't know. But Doja Cat is the theme song. <laughs> yeah. Do Doja Cat? The, the Saweetie and Doja Cat song. That's my best friend. That's why then again, I think it was just marketed towards me. This yeah. whole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to work on it. <laughs> I was like, I'm in. Uh, I'm. I'm. Sold. Now, Jamie, I'm going to have to hold you right there because we just had a large conversation about people needing to make money uh, and being influenced by the need to have a paycheck. Uh, you might be biased here, just a hair, just maybe. <laughs> okay, just, just a pinch. Just so our audience recognizes that. Okay, well, believe me, I like it. I think. Yeah, maybe, I, I think thought the trailer was delight. <laughs> Working think... on this is a is a loose term. I yeah. filed some documents. All right, <laughs> I was involved slightly in the reshoots. It was my first yeah. week at Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it out. I don't work for them. <laughs> Nathan, I think this proves that we should end every episode with a segment called "Nathan says Get off my lawn." <laughs> weirdly i mean i angry I just, man yells at sky yeah like god i created this podcast so there wouldn't be a bunch of uh rants from an angry white cisgendered man look what i've done um <laughs> I, but I, look it sounds like i'm in the minority here that's all i'm gonna no, say no I, no I, i'm gonna wait and see like i i am 50 50 like the trailer i thought was funny and i love those guys i thought that the, the gag of 3d was really funny but part of me is like is this going to feel at all like, the, and I didn't grow up with the original, so I don't have right. the emotional connection you did, but uh, I'm like, nah, we'll see. It's fodder for Disney plus at this point, at this point, it's like, it's just yet another thing on the Disney plus pile that they're going to, that they're mm -hmm. going to keep doing. Yeah. Honestly. Content, content, content. Yeah. 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 So uh, Victoria, what do you have for us? Girl. You got some goods. <laughs> oh, um, it, I'm sure Jamie is, familiar with this so um last year during halloween horror nights um what was it the 30th anniversary if i remember correctly uh they had a scare zone where they collaborated with a horror youtube channel called crypt tv um this was my first time seeing them or hearing of them and it was very creative stuff um their fan base well, grew i'm assuming because they collaborated with halloween horror nights well they lost half of them because they announced ever so proudly that they were going to get into nfts um and their social media person should be fired because anyone who basically hinted at a negative reaction was blocked no oh, <laughs> just leave I'm, I'm not joking literally there was someone who, there was literally someone who asked why like they were just genuinely confused about why got blocked Oh my god. That's not I, how this works. That's not yeah. how any of this works. <laughs> so, yeah. I was clicking on the uh link that you provided for our little, you know, 
our little bones for our podcast and, and it's dead. That that whatever they posted the, the tweet it's gone. That would it's gone. that would be so, announcement. Yeah, so they've they've deleted the announcement. Yeah, like I mean, uh. yeah, that was more of a like, hey, love or hate NFTs. I have strong opinions, but that's not what this is about. This is like that was just a bad social media call, guys. That was the wrong way to do it. And because at this point, it's like everybody's going to do a freaking NFT. Disney's doing them, whatever. They're, they're going to have yeah, like those, I think those, Disney did it at one point. Those, they're doing it now. There's this uh, mm-hmm. digital collectibles. I have friends working in it, so good for them. Awesome. But it's like, you know, those little pyramid schemes will have their own flame out in one way or another. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, they're pyramid schemes. Let's. They're, yeah, they're, it's very create, They're creating value. Yeah. I mean, I and this is, yeah, and this isn't the first time we've seen it. I think it was Theme Park Shark uh, on Twitter. It was a uh, kind of a smaller mid-tier uh, theme park news website. They were like, ah, look, we got a hexagon. We're doing NFTs and we got our own theme park shark NFT. And they got blasted because people were like, don't, don't do this. Nobody <laughs> wants that unless they're already in it. I mean, it's not far to think of, of Disney being like, we have new Animal Kingdom NFTs and the money for this will go to the Disney Conservation Fund. And you're like, yeah, to like fix the problem that you're creating with yeah. these NFTs. <laughs> right. So. Oy. Oh, my Oy. God. Oh, would you get a Jake from State Farm Disney? NFT? Like a good neighbor. <laughs> Here's my non-fungible <laughs> token. <laughs> they oh, put the fun in non-fungible. Oh. <laughs> oh. That was bad. There we go. go. Um, All right. So uh, to close things out, we will be talking about what's going on in non-Disney theme park world. Uh, In our neighborhood, Nathan, particularly yours, Peppa Pig theme park has opened. Um, It's pretty exciting, honestly. It's uh, like a sort of a mini park attached to Legoland. And um, it's... It just looks really neat. It's really accessibly designed. Um, they have promised to train their staff for uh, support for um, kids with autism and providing a good experience for families with all sorts of physical disabilities as well. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. It's really cute. Peppa Pig is adorable. Um, I, th- I think I'm just I'm going to have to to take my son there, I think is what's going to end up happening. They've got a water play area, which is going to be a huge hit. Like kids. It's a cute little area. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, you can, it's you can not take me too. Take, take me with yeah. you. <laughs> Let's go. We're going to Peppa Pig land y'all. Not, not every park is going to be a full day. Not every park is for all ages, mm-hmm. right? Like exactly. if, 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 if Legoland has taught us anything, you know, or, um, <laughs> It is. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a very specific kind of park experience that you can't comp onto a regional ride park or a destination park like Disney Universal. And I commend them for doing something. My biggest complaint about it, if it professionally, would be looking at the aerial view of it. I'm like, where is the shade? Where are the yeah. trees? Put some more in. Yeah, it I'm getting like some a Toy Story Land vibes. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. such a charming IP. Like, I sure, I, I bet this is perfect for like, four to eight year olds four to six year olds it's probably going to be a nice couple of hours and then you go home you know yeah and i didn't know that because i have no connection with peppa pig really 
Um, but like, <clears throat> if you look at the data, this is a 2019, so it's a little old, but still, um, the Peppa Pig brand generated over 1.3, 1.35 billion dollars, uh, that wow. year worldwide. He's a billion dollar IP. So like, I, I didn't, I was like, okay, I don't know why this is very popular. I don't know, but clearly there's an audience for it. So, yeah. Um, During the cool. like quarantine, so many kids are watching. I remember there was news reports about how like American kids were developing British accents <laughs> yeah. because of how obsessed yeah. they were with the show. So I believe it. I believe it. Bro, the kids are nanny. They love yeah. Peppa Pig. Yeah, it's Elmo, Peppa Pig, and Paw Patrol. Any sort of uh, British IP that they want to bring over to the states, I'll take some Paddington here. Um, please yes i'm perfectly oh. fine with that i'll take some oh. wallace and gromit here there's one wallace and gromit ride at uh, alton yep. tower no i don't know what? exactly where it's at no it's yeah. blackpool blackpool is where blackpool blackpool yeah. pleasure beach, what, yeah. what is it why have i never heard of it it's just a little it's because it's, it's not marketed to us but you know it's who is it <laughs> if it's not to me then who <laughs> <laughs> but bring me these things bring me all your british things please um yes, there's an audience for it here in florida i'll tell you that so, yeah, you only get sure. potter you get potter and peppa pig yeah <laughs> only only the ips with p in them is yes. the british ones you get. <laughs> i'll take some ponty python please <laughs> awesome all right well that about covers it i'll be sure to drag my nine-year-old son over and let you guys know before we go today uh jamie where can people find you online Oh, uh, I, you can listen to all my rants on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dear Jamie MR is my Twitter handle. Um, and then also I'm going to selfishly plug my art direction um, platform, which is the Essential Art Department, which you can find us online as well. Perfect. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys all for being here today. This was a, a real treat. Really glad to have you guys. And thank you, Jamie, for taking your time out to talk with us about all this uh, madness going on in the industries here for women. Uh, and with that, uh, Rat Castle is produced by Nathan Hartman. Uh, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode and tell all your friends, uh, share on your socials. Uh, you can check out our website at ratcastlepodcast.podbean.com. Uh, and uh, send us your questions. We love to get some outside input, uh, ideas, things to talk about. Let's see like what we, how we rank things. Um, always really fun to hear about those sort of things. Uh, you can do that at bit.ly slash ratcastle. And uh, with that, uh, please grab your belongings and exit to the left. Will you stop this foolishness? What foolishness would you like to see? Will you get out of here? <laughs>